0: You're with Pastor Troy right here. We're getting excited. we got a special program for you. You're going to be seeing over the next few weeks until we get ready for season two. You're going to be seeing the best of the On the Dock season one. These will be coming at you hard and steady. Once want you to get them out there. Check them out. Help us get them out to your friends. We want to see you on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes as well. But this is the best of, get this, the best of season one get ready for it we're going to be coming at you with a super season two coming up this august we'll see you soon enjoy this episode of on the dock season one best of and you're on the dock right here. And we're excited to be here in part two here. And I just want to tell you, we're all about these conversations to propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. So get ready to go. We're going to do that. We got good start in part one, and we're going to get much deeper in part two. You're just going to love it here. And uh, if you're on on the dock, you're watching us now, we'd love to have you uh, stay in with us. We do podcasts every Tuesday and Thursdays, but we're also available on these other podcast platforms. Please find some of the other platforms. They may be advantageous to you if you're in your car, if you're downloading things or where you're at, maybe you have a a plan, but find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Roku is great on TVs, download the sermon, app through Roku, and then look for the, on the doc, with Pastor Troy channel. You can also find us on Rumble. Rumble, you can get that app on your smart TVs as well. Sermonet can go on your smart, smart TVs as well. You can find us all those places on the dock with Pastor Troy. Also our social media partners, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. And when you find us, please share, subscribe, like, hit notify. And we'd love for you to communicate with others that you're watching us and, and join invite them to join us because we got some great stuff. And by the way, we want you always to think about being a sponsor or partner. We, we use Patreon. Go to Patreon, download their app, and you can find On the Dock with Pastor Troy. And you can become one of our sponsors let me show you this fine coffee cup we'd love to have you become one of ours we'll send you one of these and you can become a partner that means you're just part of the team here and you could also be a sponsor maybe you have a local business or something and we can we can talk about what you're doing, get you on the show actually. we we'll get you on the show and talk to you about what you're doing uh, for the kingdom of God and what you how you live. And we want to, we want to be a part of your life as well and bring value back to you. And 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 all these things, you can go to onthedoc.org. That's our website. And you can find our links to our Patreon site as well that way or our platforms. You can find our embedded viewer there and all kinds of things. And you can always email us at info at onthedock.org. And if you email us Donna Kanuski, our executive producer, would be glad to receive that. She'll get it to the right department. And we would love to answer your questions and help you out any way we can. If you get some sort of show notes or something you heard on the show, you just want feedback, information, contact point, we'd love to do that. Emails again info at ontheck.org. And we're ready to go here and we've got our on the dock team around the table here. Right, we got to my right Mother Beth here with us in studio. Mother Beth, welcome back.
1: Thank you,
0: Hi, honey. Haley's still here. She's hanging. She's hanging back there in the back corner right now. Haley, how you doing? Good. Hi, guys. Haley Adelini's ready to go, and uh, we're in a second part of our series: the U.S. Church and Anti-Human Trafficking Work in Thailand series. We're in part two. We have our incredible, incredible guest here, Ruth. Jane Suffolkett here. And she hails from Harvard College. She's a rising senior there. And she is doing a study in this area. And we are going to pick her brain apart because, uh, hey, she's learning a subject that we're all interested in. Uh, This church, Community Faith Church, our our partner foundation, Hands Hope Foundation, we've been involved in anti-human trafficking, especially sex trafficking anti in Thailand. And we've got some partnership churches there and organizations we work with. And uh, that's how we cross paths with uh, Ruth. And we want to learn more about what she's learning. It'll help us better in the game. Uh, and also, uh, Haley, who, who's our co-host here at the table, she's also uh, got a ministry of her own called the Mosaic Initiative. And they're, they're networking organizations trying to help sustain and support that. I'll throw her graphic up here real quick. Haley, I put this in the package. Look at that. The Mosaic Initiative. Awesome. .org, Check them out as well. And we'll have podcasts about her. Look up in our index. You can always go to YouTube or our Sermonet and look at our archives and find out more about that. we have also going to have Ruth in as our co-host on the Tamar Series Project the tamar series project tamar center in uh, thailand she's also taking a look at that organization that's how we got connected so uh, she'll be our co-host in that helping us talk to the vopples there that's a great show you do not want to miss that and so we've got a lot going on we're going to dig back into the subject today ruth how are you doing glad to have you again on the dock
2: doing well my voice is holding up surprisingly well
0: (laughs) doing very well my mine is i'm i'm we, for those of you who don't know I'm just gonna I'll pull the curtain back we've done about 12 podcasts with this young lady she flew in she's here for about four days so we have That's right. that we've put together we've, we've used her on multiple uh, sex trafficking anti trafficking anti-sex trafficking because you know she's studying this we have Haley's ministry here we're involved in that and to be able to get this kind of a panel together is, is kind of a cool thing so and the fact that she survived her flight in on on um, um, What's the name of our airline again? I can't remember. Cape Air. Cape Air. <laughs> I, I, It didn't seem... Why Cape Air? I know they, they've they also got planes up in the Capes. I'm thinking no, Cape, Cape Air. was not
1: it Cape Girardeau? Cape Girardeau I is
0: don't what know. I would think. I don't know. Because there's not really... Yeah, they're probably... I Cape, think, Cape I always think Cape <gasps> Cod, you know. That's, you ever seen Cape Air or Cape Cod? No. No,
1: it's Cape know. Girardeau.
0: Oh, they do. No.
2: Fl- they do fly from Boston. I saw. I saw their little stand in the Boston airport. But I'm not sure where they're going. I want going to tell to. you. Oh, I'm sure
0: the Cape Air is not Cape Dorado. I'm sure it's Cape Cape Cod. Ah. can look that, it up. Their, their the airline airport. started go there. Right That's gonna Google that. I'm almost <laughs> yeah, sure. Go- our, 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 let me say this. It's worth it. Duck, duck, go it. There you go you might get you know you never know on google that you google stuff down they, they kind of hide stuff you don't know stuff you know have you found at all this is a bonus question just yeah. we have started mm-hmm. yet have you found as you study uh anti-sex trafficking anti-human trafficking have you found do, have you ever used any other search engines no okay i want to incur i want to encourage you highly google's great it's great but i am learning that countries and people are hiding subjects today they are working with Google, uh, whether it's through, you can go the Chinese route. And governments, big businesses are working a lot with big tech today just to make certain things disappear because it's not attractive to certain businesses. They don't want to harm the social economic and labor pools. And so I I would be very interested in studying, uh, if you went to like DuckDuckGo or you went to Bing add to another search engine and you put the same thing in, I have learned that I get completely different information sometimes because they're filtering out things because it's not... Their business partners that are buying ad spots so well we don't really want to talk about uh we don't want to talk about people from cambodia working in thailand as illegal laborers because it doesn't make people want so it would be really interesting to see if, if if you got different answers when you looked in different places
3: i'm sure algorithm has something to yeah. do with a decent amount of it too it's just like the technology used well, in- well
0: algorithm is algorithm but algorithms are written by people and people that write algorithms have agendas Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting for you to to do some search on a few things on other things just to see because, you know, I think a lot of places don't want us to know that these issues are the issues. The issues you're studying, people aren't necessarily proud at a national level or a local business level uh, that they've got these issues going on.
1: Well, and the people that are causing the issue probably don't really want a lot of advertisement about it.
3: I think also you're going to see, like, to some degree, like, it's going to be hard to see where some location like some organizations are located and things just because of like, their own personal like safety, they're not going to just broadcast exactly where they're at, like at least some of the groups that I worked with. are but, pretty but, sensitive. But I think
0: Ruth probably were this, I, but there are a lot of nations out there that highly edit what's going out on the internet and what their people can see and can't see today. I mean, uh, th- our friends that we go and visit with in in on the other side of the world, uh, their nation highly highly monitor stuff like that. So I'm sure that there's some nations, some businesses, business models that just don't want to draw attention to something in a tour site that might show it as a negative slight. So as you study human child, it'd be really interesting to see what you might find on different search engines running the same searches. So, yeah, okay. uh, just, just a bonus I content. I need to say, yeah. you were right. Oh no, Cape Cod. Oh, you no. were right and I was wrong. All you have to do is go to community faith church Psalm 130. Go check out uh, literally uh, July 25th message, and you'll hear all about the understanding in our family of you're right and I'm wrong. Uh,
1: there you go. Yes.
0: So Cape Air started there. I thought it was Cape Cod. Cape Cop. Air. So, hey, you're up there where it is. So you, you get excited about this? You can get a Cape Air up there and run around. Know,
2: now that I know what it's like, I'll be taking it everywhere. you would be ready to go. the
0: yeah, first yeah.
1: flight. They Since our first flight between Boston and Provincetown in 1989. There you go. In 1989. Cape I'm gonna Cape Air ha- has provided year-round service to come to the most beautiful destinations in the That's world.
0: A and let, and hey, let me just say this. Way. Give, give me a good camera. Here you go. Cape Air, we'd love to have you as a sponsor of On the Dock. You can go to <laughs> Patreon right now. And, you and happen down, to be listening. Y- yeah, you'd be happy. We, we actually talk about you, and we could talk more about your stuff. And, and, and you go to Patreon and become one of our partners or sponsors. You, we know one of your offices are here. We'd love to have you. So. I
1: honestly probably, thought it was out of Cape Girardeau. It's probably yeah. better, better than Delta. Yeah, right. probably. I had a great uh, time. I think All right, Ruth.
0: Better than Delta uh, at this point. Just give us the give us the quick again. Tell us about yourself again and, and a little bit of your background, real quick, if you would. Just one more time.
2: Yeah. So I'm a rising senior at Harvard College. I study social studies, focusing in anthropology with a minor in ethnicity, migration, and rights, and also a Thai language citation, which I don't think I mentioned last. You
0: time. did not mention that.
2: Yeah, studying Thai. Um, at Harvard,
0: class. you take Thai. Yes.
2: Wow. Yeah. Oh my. Uh, originally from singapore have lived in new york and london been around
0: speaks a little thai speaks a little mandarin speaks yep. a lot of good english <laughs> yeah very gifted young lady with a very things. extensive extensive study plan how does <laughs> the
1: anthropology work into yeah what
0: you're doing she's studying me Cro magnum man um, yeah. i mean
1: just so people
0: yeah so it i'm It's a big I, word
2: yeah i'm, I'm conducting anthropology is the study of people and cultures and that can mean lots of different things the type of research i'm doing is ethnography which basically means you're looking at different groups for me that's people in u.s churches who do who partner with you know anti-trafficking work in thailand and then aid workers at these organizations and
0: you're kind of crossing over and seeing how they interact
2: yeah so seeing what life is like the way that you all think about these things um what makes us tick yeah kind the of, the different kind of, kinds of issues that you're dealing with like trying to paint a picture of right. of great. what what this good. business is like Well
0: I, I know if if you look at different organizations and the picture will look different based on what their agenda is and what they're yeah. trying to connect with so uh, hopefully we end up with a decent portrait. I hope so. <laughs> Look at this face know. here, right? Yeah. She may go home and write she it. She may terrible. go home and go, God, they're crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
3: she's definitely going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. With but, the amount of podcasts. But crazy good,
0: doing. crazy good, and crazy crazy Uncle Ed are different. I want to be crazy. I want be, cra- be crazy good. Okay, Ruth, uh, inter- give us an interesting conversation point uh, that people might not know about you, or you know, or, or maybe some sort of Harvard. We want some Harvard scuttle give us something Some harvard story. scuttle i don't know okay well
2: i think those two things are separate i'll give you a fun fact <laughs> about me first
0: it, it could be like don't eat the broccoli in the in the dorm cafeteria it's really garbage you know i'll
2: He's tell like, a cool story okay, about go. something that happened to me there um but yeah fun fact about me i really love music i was a leader at my youth group's like worship team for like five That's years awesome. um, back in singapore and now like kind of do it for my fellowship and like sing in an acapella group so that's what I do when I'm not, you know, thinking about human trafficking. Uh, you know, something a little lighter. Like no, I that
1: totally. Have, that no, would that's kind a of way. really uh, speak to why her, her voice is so good on here because you made.
0: Oh, the she comment has about, great voice on right? Thank here. Yeah. You. So you Thank you. Thank you. So, so, so what? A so what? What? Acapella what? What? Where do you sing in the scales? There, what? What? what do you consider yourself? Um,
2: I've. I can kind of do. I can kind of do whatever in my acapella group right now. I'm kind of singing alto, but I've been okay. soprano, mezzo before. I, oh, you've not. been stressed.
0: So, so, so we do it like this: uh, Daddy sings bass,
3: Mama sings tenor.
0: <laughs> you don't know that song? I do not. Yeah, you gotta. It's an old. Troy old.
3: is not our worship. Daddy
0: sings after. bass, <laughs> Mama sings tenor. Is it that way, or does it go the
1: other way? No, you did. OK, I did get it. Yeah. <laughs> look up the song. Google okay, the song we'll, about there. We'll it's do. a good we'll old fashioned do. song. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. So
0: I can tell you have great you have, you, you do great on, on, on this. You got a career. Thank you. You got a career in this coming up. You, Wait, you she didn't give you the. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I want the story. Hey, a fun I want little you, story.
2: Yeah. OK, well, um, this is something that happened to me freshman year. So uh, in the spring of 2019, I was taking a seminar on theoretical physics just it was pass fail, so
0: there was no. When did no- you do this? Your freshman year, yeah. Good was, lord, <laughs> was I was thinking like al- pre-algebra.
2: It was it was really it was pass fail, very low stakes, just to discover a new field. It was super fun. Our professor was a pretty well-renowned uh, physicist, and um, I don't know if you would remember, but in the spring around like April of that year, they released the first ever like photos of a black hole, uh-huh. oh, and yeah. so the lab that did that is from Harvard. And the day before the New York Times like released all those photos, we had a guest that we, we were meeting as a class and we had someone come in. And our professor introduced, she was like, hey, this is one of my former grad students. You know, I, I like mentored uh, his thesis and he has something to show you. And he was working in that lab and he showed us the picture of the black hole a day before the general public got wow. to see it, oh, which really is just, neat.
0: it was so cool. You amazing. got a preview of the, of the black hole before we got to know where the black hole was. Yes,
2: exactly. Uh, Only at
0: Harvard college. Cause you get yeah, such a thing.
2: I love to tell that story. It's like one of the coolest things that's ever happened. <laughs>
0: Really cool. <laughs> you've gone before where no she other people gone into the void she, into the void i really did yeah, yeah. okay wow. so 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 we're talking about uh anti-human trafficking uh more focused really here in this series on anti-sex trafficking and in one of our other series uh that we did with the mosaic initiative uh we we brought up a definition here from the united nations uh Mm -hmm. article 3 paragraph a of human trafficking i'm not going to read this pretty lengthy we've got it well the reason we got to read it is because people are doing podcasts so if people are on the audio one of us got to read it but let me read it real quick and then i'll let her explain the the human trafficking the recruitment the transportation because watching video the recruitment the transportation transfer harboring or receipt of persons by means of threat or use of force or other forms of coercion of abduction or a fraud of deception or of the abuse of power or of a position of vulnerability or of the giving of or the giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control over another person for the purposes of exploitation and exploitation shall include at a minimum the exploitation of the prostitution the exploitation of the prostitution of others or other forms of sexual exploitation for labor service forced labor or services slavery or practices similar to slavery servitude or the removal of organs now you're at Harvard you're taught to be able to be take complex subjects and be concise the United Nations here really worked hard to give us a thorough long definition can you broad can you can you can you help us with the the language here and Tell us what your definition would be of human trafficking. Bring it to us from a Harvard perspective.
2: Sure. Um, I guess I would consider it instances where someone is coercing someone, and that can be through many different forms. Into uh, some type of action, it can be labor, it can be sex, it can be you know medical procedures um, against their will, uh, and for in exchange for like payment of some sort.
0: Yeah. When you when you think about Okay, and then and we when you think about this kind of trafficking, and we're going to come deeper to sex trafficking in a minute. But let me everybody jumps right to sex trafficking, r- really, because it, I don't know why but labor trafficking is very big in our in our country as well. It's, there's lots of abuses there in the U.S. right now. But both of these things. But when you think about that, is is all is all the sex industry, by definition, is all of that human traffic is would all that automatically fall under that? Would you consider all of it coercive?
2: Uh, well, that's a, I think that's a super difficult question. I know, I know, especially I, like as we talked about with in Haley's episodes, which you should listen to.
0: Yeah,
2: um, thinking about nowadays, there's lots of forms where you know you're able to do things through the internet, where no one is maybe like you know f- grabbing you, forcing you to do anything. Right. Um, so I wouldn't say that like point-blank everything is automatically right. coercive everything's automatically trafficking but I think that it can look a lot of different ways and Daniel from the Tamar Center was actually you know someone who pointed this out to me he's saying sometimes from a Western standpoint if you look at what's going on in Thailand you maybe wouldn't consider that trafficking and some people say like oh they got themselves into that situation they right. chose to come and do this work yeah. and so you've you got to got to look um like a layer deeper and think were they lured falsely like were they promised something that they're not being given were they do they have any other options like what kinds of pressures are on people to make decisions to have this and lifestyle? that can be
0: family cultural expectations as well it right? can be
2: it can be tons of things family. so i i really don't know how to answer no I, I think that i
0: mean yeah. we all know that's a I big think that's question.
3: A great answer to it because yeah. it is it's a, it's a really big question and i think it involves a lot of like asking what is exploitive in nature, and and it's, it's yeah, it's hard. It's
0: I Because know. because I do think people could have their free wills, and they could choose to do this or that with their own bodies if they wanted to, and, and that's not what I want as a pastor for somebody, obviously, but that's not my decision. We all have free will, but my always question is if somebody's left with that decision, I I just don't think a lot of people in the end, deep down, if you really got them by themselves, and they had op- other opportunities, they would choose to, to sell themselves first. Yeah. I, I, even if yeah. they chose of their own free will, did they choose because that was their best choice, or did they choose because that was maybe one of their only choices that they could actually make? Mm-hmm. And so that 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 lets me know that it's not just about free will, but it could be a byproduct of what the socioeconomic status is, right. yeah. what's going on in your culture, sure. what your opportunities are, you know, and all those and pathways and stuff. What other pathways are there? So and I think
3: mean, it's important to note that like the UN adopted that um, definition. I think it actually may have been it they adapt it quite frequent like they've adapted it a couple times um
0: you know what written, they would do is add more words it, the to reason yeah they wouldn't cut, yeah, they wouldn't cut it there. down yeah, the ores, reason ores. they
3: they have so many words and i think this is kind of important for people who are you know new to this field um to understand is that it's written very broadly because of um there are so many there are so many different forms of exploitation and trafficking and polaris identified or classified 18 different forms and so when you're looking at creating legislature and working with governments and, and creating policies and procedures, et cetera. Yeah. We want to write that really broadly so that it, it does encompass these other things. Because it used to be really specific and and it used to kind of harp more on the transportation and harboring side of things. But trafficking um, does make it, like the word trafficking makes you think of like transportation.
0: Transportation, transportation vehicles, Right. But it is the right. moving of people. And while for-
3: there usually is some form of that, whether it's from like. This part of town to that part of town or something, it doesn't require that, and so the, the the definitions have like changed and adapted over time as we learn more and as we see what is actually exploitive, mm-hmm. because well, it yeah. it is it's messy when you're working in coercion because, um, I think we talked about this a little bit. I actually spoke off turn, but I think it was helpful in a way to clarify that um, what sometimes we see, like you said, sometimes from the Western perspective, you'll see it as like what you can see it maybe. What you interpret as consensual was actually, you know, comp, comp, like maybe they have gained um, complicit action, but it wasn't necessary, like full and true consent right. because of the coercive nature or because of the fraud, because of the deceit, things like that that are used.
0: You got to layer all that. This and, is a very and deep is, onion. Yeah, yeah. Lots of layers, right? So I
3: think when you ask that question of like all people, like you can look, I've read a lot of studies that like look at, how much exploitation is in the sex industry and it seems by and large most like a lot of situations are exploitive but and i don't think you the, can say every one of them
2: yeah and i think the bottom line is if you if you yeah. have someone who's in the situation and they want to leave but they can't yeah. like at that
0: point it's it's because. definitely exploitive a definitely co- coercive yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and don't you you know my background before as a pastor my, my degree my undergraduate degrees and, and expertise are in economics and finance so when i see trafficking i don't see travel i see economics so so I see human trafficking as the definition of how businesses flow and make money off the abuse of people. How That's business? A big part of it too. Yeah, right. So yeah. so to for good. me human trafficking is highly economical. The reason people do it is because it works, It's a cheap source of labor. It's a it's a way to produce Lower income. Risk, reward. It, it it makes people disposable assets some ways and 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 they become either liabilities or assets and and it, it's very dangerous cuz you reduce people to 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 widgets you know and then to what product, ha- hum- yeah. yeah product and humanity's gone and you treat the the victim as a honestly, almost a disposable asset that has a lifespan. We learned that in Thailand and talking to Daniel that, you know, the prostitutes can come in at as early as 14 or 15. And by the time they're 22, 23, 24, 25, they're, they're aging out and having to get into a different sector of it to survive. But then at the same time, so that that asset has a shelf life and it's almost like that's factored in. So th- this whole world here is done. And then you have your clients out there, your people, your buyers, so to speak. You're, and, and you've got, you know, all these perverted people are still customers. And and this thing is an economics trade where people, like she said, are being lured in. To, you're almost recruited. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these girls are literally recruited, almost like we rec- recruit an athlete to a sports school or, or something. Recruited in, and then then it's. <laughs> I guess the glamour is not what they quite thought it was. So I, I just want I we need to understand this is exploitation of people. It's economically using people up. And, and, and for the benefit of somebody else's enjoyment, but, but to be honest with you, anybody that's doing that kind of enjoyment, it's not really doing enjoyment. They're really destroying their own soul as a pastor. How can you use up another human being, be a part of that and, and call yourself part of the family uh, of people, let alone the family of God, you can't do that. So. It's, a, it's the whole thing is a very sad thing, but I, I really love what you're doing. I want to hear about this real quick. I, I want you to dial it in for us a little bit more. We got we got this incredible Harvard brain here. Uh, <laughs> sex trafficking it's it's a subset. Lay this out here. Sex trafficking is a form of human trafficking. It's specifically exploitation. Uh, of a person for the purpose of sexual nature now sex trafficking look different dependent on culture and context but in every context the outcome's the same it's the exploitation of the vulnerable by persons in power and this is oppression this is modern day slavery give us your perspective as you've been studying this how would you define uh what you see as sex trafficking and how are you looking at that how do you define that as you get ready to do your paper
2: yeah um well i mean i think there's a broad range of what constitutes as a sexual act um and I think you know you see that with like escort services that sometimes it's not necessarily about the physical act of sex but it's about you know someone using you as a sexual object whether that's for companionship for you know somebody that they can show off to the you know to whoever um so I think it it encompasses a fairly broad range of activities um but it yeah it's where people are are paying for someone who is offering uh like willingly or unwillingly their body uh to be used for for sexual purposes
0: when, when you lay this out now, now you target in you're specifically in your work your study you're looking at thailand mm-hmm. and that's because you i mean you could have picked a lot of places you could have you could have picked williamson county you know you could pick yeah. because there's sex trafficking taking places here we've talked about that in our episodes there's stuff happening all around the world uh this is not a new subject it's been going on a long time it's yeah. an age-old thing but that doesn't mean it's the right thing. But you chose Thailand. And for, 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 for your work, what does the sex trafficking industry for you look like in Thailand? All of Thailand's not a big sex trafficking pool. Thailand's a beautiful country. I've been all over the country. I haven't been to Chiang Mai yet. I've got to get there. But, but it's, I, I do. So it's a beautiful country. Beautiful. But tell us for you, when, when you look at this subject, you're bandwidthing down. You've gone from human trafficking to sex trafficking. Now you're sex trafficking in Thailand. What does that look like for you as you take a look at the Thailand world?
2: Yeah. I think it looks different depending on which part of the country you're in. So obviously your church has done a lot of work in Pattaya and in Bangkok, and that's like a very commercial sex industry where there's these red light districts, bars, uh, you know, women, men, lady boys come from all over the country, from other countries as well to kind of partake in these bars. Um, and, you know, and so there's that aspect of it. And that's more in like the metropolitan areas. And it does look a little bit different when you go up into Chiang Mai. So a lot of the groups that are doing work in the north, like they work with uh, ethnic minorities, um, people who have been trafficked from other countries into Thailand and there it's not so much necessarily like the bars, it's not so outward facing, but there are other forms like maybe more similar to what you might see here, kind of more underground. There are a lot of dangers of children being kind of like lured in or, or taken whatever it may be and so it, there's a wide variety of ways that trafficking pl- takes place in Thailand.
0: Very very. We, I, I don't see as much in Pattaya of the ethnic minority version of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's there. I do remember, I, I wish I could go back and find the picture of it. I've got it somewhere deep in my stuff. Is my, my first trip there in 2014, uh, we went there with Dr. Jeff and Dr. Sherry Parks, and we were there to kind of be a part of of, of, of their son, married, married a beautiful Thai lady and uh Gun and and, and Scott are just a blessing in our lives but so we got there it was a culture that I'd never stepped into and so as we went down to from Bangkok Bangkok was a real wonderful city best malls I've ever seen just (laughs) incredible shopping experience massive the the tourism uh going around and seeing the different buddhist sites and learning about that was just incredible and then going to Pattaya then seeing kind of New Orleans and 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 San Francisco and uh, Atlantic City and Las Vegas all rolled up into one and double it times 12. And then you got Pattaya, thirty to 60,000 sex workers, six to 12 million people coming in to be a part of that world. And you thought, oh my gosh, where did we, what happened to us? We fell into a world slums made up of children that are byproducts of those relationships and just a whole industry. And it, it broke our hearts and we, that's how we jumped in and got involved. So, but, but b- being there I, I remember early on we were walking down one of the soys to go do to to, to kind of go do some ministry with another group that we were just getting experience that's all we're doing we're getting experience we're going out to work on the docks there in Pottier and, and and maybe pass out Bibles or something at that time and um, one of the one of the the places that had a had, had a billboard up and it listed people by age and ethnic ethnicity and it gave a value and a price to those people mm-hmm. You know, one of the most devastating things I would see in this would have been circa 2014. We're not talking about something from, you know, a thousand BC or from, you know, 1700s. You know, where, where, where slaves were bought and sold. We're talking about we're talking about stuff you would have seen then. Maybe right now, today, 2014 marketed on the street listed by price. And it's like, you know, what do you want this, this, this and that it would look like it look like something if you're going to McDonald's to get a McDonald's and you got a, a list there. I, I, I've never really thought about that ethnic minority view of that. And, and, and it just it just something you it, this as me as a Christian as a pastor, as a dad, I I, 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 I honestly just had to sit down. I sat there for a while. I couldn't process it. How do you process what you're, you're studying sex trafficking, you're 21 years old. You're, you're a brilliant young lady. How do you process this kind of darkness and this kind of abuse of people? You're, 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 you're a woman, Haley's a woman in, involved in, in, in this industry. How do you guys process this and deal with this and cope with this? I, as a father, just wanna hurt most people.
2: Well, honestly, I think at this stage in my research, I haven't had much direct contact. So I haven't, I mean, I've been to Thailand many times, but haven't had the opportunity to go and work with anyone in person and also, when you're doing research, there are tons of considerations when you're working with um, like, endang- not endangered the wrong word, but like at-risk people At groups. Risk. And so part of the reason that my research focuses on NGO workers and on people who are part of churches rather than working with people who are coming out of trafficking themselves is because there's so much vulnerability in doing that kind of research, so much potential for, you know, yet another form of exploitation. My tie's not that great, you know, right. so I haven't, personally dealt with as much of the, you know, I haven't heard as many yeah. in-person testimonies haven't worked in these homes. Um, so I think, I think, uh, I don't know, you know, Haley will probably tell you that dealing with that directly is definitely different, but it, it is a heavy
0: subject. It is. I mean, I remember it devastated me. I sat for probably an hour and a half. I didn't pass any Bibles out. I'm like, who needs a Bible here? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's they don't need a Bible. They, it just needs to just, you just... You, you just wanted to be beamed out on the Enterprise and, and fly yeah. away from this planet. Cause you're embarrassed that humanity would do this Christian or not Christian. Yeah. Uh, no matter who you are, who would do this to, to our, to our fellow humans? I yeah. mean, I mean, and how can we get to where we're, we're going to list people by, category and say this is the price it's like we're going to a seafood restaurant and picking out do i want the shrimp or because it was when you go down to walking street you have the beautiful seafood restaurants that sit on the right side Mm -hmm. and you go in and they got all the different live water things and you get your lobster and you get your crab then right next to that you 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 go pick out your 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 your, what you want for the night for for companionship Mm -hmm. and and i i'm just i as we look at this subject if you're not moved by this listen people listen if this doesn't get at your heart it, it broke my heart and I wanted to leave Patia and never go back.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and But somewhere in the process, we sat down and met with people from Tamar Center in an upper room, in a prayer room over brothels. We are in a brothel area over all these brothels going on. and And all they asked me was, the workers there said, you know, we're, we're fighting a battle here. They didn't say, they said we're winning because they showed us people that were changed lives. But they said overall, <laughs> there's 60,000 people here and 12 million visitors. We're probably losing too, but we're winning. And what we're winning is a blessing. And every person's life matters. But mostly we're exhausted. We need a pastor.
2: Yeah.
0: I wish they'd have never asked me that. I, if I could go back in time and I could talk God out of putting me in that room, I would probably try because what I've seen in the last years is just devastating. Yeah. So I I do think. think,
3: I think it's um a type of privilege to be able to see those kinds of things and like like you said like and and walk walk away away. and so (laughs) I think that that's what keeps me there. Yeah. How can you? Because it's almost like how can you walk away but you want to? Yeah, but it's also like for me, and yes, and that's not to invalidate like secondary trauma and the challenges that comes with wanting to serve a population, um. Of people who've had similar experiences that maybe you don't share right Um, but specifically like yes it's hard it it can be hard to look at yes it can be um, Mm -hmm. well I'm heartbreaking but like how could I like this is someone someone has lived that like this might be me learning about it and hearing about it and that might be challenging but but if someone is actually living this like how can you not want to do everything in your power to empower those people to live a life of freedom and healing and hope. And if we right. don't have people who are willing to look at those things in the face and accept the challenges that come along with it, um, then like we, we need a movement full of, of, uh, hand in hand of survivors of exploitation and those who, you know, ha- haven't, I think having survivors in the movement is exceedingly important, but, um, yeah, we need. There's a level of like, yes, is it more comfortable to not be able to to not drive down the street everywhere you go and and see trafficking? Right. I don't live that life anymore. I see it everywhere I go,
0: yeah.
3: and it is hard. And there's definitely like I think with any time you're working in philanthropy or uh, counseling or any types of type of service, like there's a need for really good um, boundaries. Self-care and things so that you don't end up doing more like you said like there's a lot of when you're working with a vulnerable population You have to learn how to take care of yourself really well, too, so that you don't end up like we've talked about this a lot like the, the importance of being beneficial to those you're serving instead of-
0: Yeah, you, you say beneficial to those serving. And, and I think that's a good, that's that's no, that's noble and that's a good plan. I wish that was my intention when I started completely. It, it's, I was just unaware of of the level of depravity that we have. I mean, I know we're rotten people and, and, and we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory God. I know there's all kinds of things out there that are horrible and terrible, but to walk in that place and to be there in a different culture and, and realize that there's evil here, there's evil there, there's bad things. I, my motivation was when it, when I sat down was uh, Ruth was that as I looked at the sex trafficking face of what you're studying in Thailand, I, I I could just see if this what if this were my daughter, I my motivation was really primarily me It's like my goodness these are people's daughters these are people's sons these this is humans and and I I at, when I got asked to come back as a pastor, they became people I became connected to that began to change from just being you know, a dad there going, my gosh, to all of a sudden go, you know, we've got we've to see it, the light come on in this place and a change there. My motivation changed and my perspective changed as I connected with the culture there and connected with the people there. So hopefully my motivation, I mean, my motivation wasn't bad. I would hope any human would see such injustice and just be sickened yeah. at the same time. Then you got to figure out, well, how do I make a difference? I didn't really want to make a difference. I wanted to just go away. And then when they asked me, they asked me the, the the thing is, I wish they'd asked for something that I couldn't have done because I could have said, "Well, I don't do that," you know. But they asked for something I do. I plant yeah. churches, and then I'm th- stuck with like, "Oh my!" So I, I can't plant a church here, and none of y'all are interested. And then they go like six of them say, "Well, we'll help lead." I thought, "Oh no!" Now I'm really on the hook. Ruth, how, how as you deal with this and you look at the face of trafficking there, uh, just lay down as you're discovering and findings of. How, how do we make a difference? What do you see that could make a difference? What are these organizations doing that are changing things that you think are really valuable and, uh, and and doing the right thing in the streets there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on something really important, which is that when you're doing this work as an aid worker or as someone who's part of a church or an NGO, um, it's always, I think, difficult to figure out how much of yourself is in that. Yeah. And that can be in terms of your motivations, in terms of what might be driving you away. Like, you know, there's we've seen across time and space like so many instances where people are really selfishly motivated to go do this work they want to boost their own ego they have an agenda that they're trying to push they want to be the hero they want to be the savior Mm -hmm. and so that's obviously the wrong the wrong way to do it and if you have none of yourself in the work too i think it's you know you get so detached um you're you're not able to form meaningful relationships with people you're you're losing yourself in the work and so i think when people are able to like have community um and be and like deal with everything that they're fa- like all the challenges that they face in their day-to-day work in a healthy way um going to counseling whatever it may be that's super important um
3: yeah, absolutely you see that a lot i mean i think there's a level just like in any like responder like, even like you're thinking ambulance first responders like different things like that like there's some level of compartmentalization that has to happen so that you can do the work that you need to do because i can't stop and throw up or cry or respond in a way like put my emotions on someone who's disclosing their trauma to me like and yeah. and ha- have them carry the weight of my emotion on that so there is a level of compartmentalization that like probably has to yeah. happen so that you can do your job and do it well but like the danger of that is that I think sometimes we can become when you've been in it too long you can there's a danger of becoming like you said like two cow cal- like almost too callous and too removed, Or, or you just have, not to, turn- having or you have emotion to turn your own you- that you, then you do also that you can, that's another form of, you like, can also have
0: to sub compartmentalize yourself so much that you, you kind of have to disconnect to survive there. Do you find Ruth, as you're talking to these organizations, do you find that there's a real struggle between burnout and, and maybe even disconnecting to the point that you kind of have to almost turn off your humanity to be able to survive. And so you kind of, I guess the word would be deny, you know,
2: um, I don't know. And <laughs> that's kind of a leading question. Um, I know.
0: I know. I just feel like it, it, you can be there so long and you go, man, I can't. You just almost wish you could shut your eyelid, you know, and go, Calgon, take me away. It's, it was all commercial. I think
3: the good workers don't turn that off. Like the, the ones that are are really doing really beneficial work don't because you have to not, like at the same time. But to do, but do that, it is a balance. But you to would find have to be able and to pull out and, and of... make
0: sure you take care of yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically to be able to manage and process that on an incoming basis. I know yeah. Daniel and Steffi do an amazing job at getting their people away. Uh, they get downtime and away time, and they do a good job of their workers at getting them out and getting holiday and fun time and, and, yeah. and separation. Because you, you just need to live sometimes, too. You can't live in that world 24-7, 365. Yeah. Even though some people are trapped in that world 24-7, 365, the workers that need to get people out and be a part of that, it's a real challenging. Because so I would think the burnout would be high. Go ahead.
1: Could you tell us again what, what your focus in your paper was? It was... The connection, or you were my you were... focus
2: is on the relationship between these organizations and the churches
1: and American churches. American churches, any? that's okay. right. And did you expect to find that to be a negative thing or a positive thing? Did you not really have an opinion going in?
2: I mean, I tried not to have any expectations going in. Mm-hmm. That's the nice thing about ethnographic research is that you're just trying to paint a fuller picture of what's going on. You don't need to necessarily bring I mean, I had, I had my impressions for sure based on what I've experienced and you know, what I was kind of reading in like preliminary papers and stuff. Um, But I mean, you know, relating that to what you were just saying, pastor Troy, like a lot of um, the people I've talked to who are Christians themselves, like have talked about the role that faith plays in their work and like, propelling them yeah, through it, you know, giving them the strength when they don't have it themselves to keep doing this work, the hope that is not always present in these situations. Absolutely. Um,
0: kind of faith propels you and hope's not faith is the evidence of things hoped for, but not necessarily seen. Mm-hmm. Faith can propel you through those moments. I, I, I think if it weren't for Christ and my relationship and knowing that there was hope there, I, I, I would have probably just swam off into the Gulf of Thailand and, and just never been seen again. Faith kind of gets you up and says, Hey, God could use you here. We respond. Here I am. Samuel, here I am, send me. Mm -hmm. God's using you to to, to kind of create a conversation. He's using Haley to create a conversation that'll shape people's minds on this for generations to come. I'm excited about that. And I
3: think it's about like taking those emotions and like fueling them in a healthy manner to like move. Like I think there's like a really, there's really good example for biblical compassionate action. And I think that that is, um, that model is the, you know, the more that we, for me as a person, person of faith, the more I push into that, it really does help. Like you said, like a lot of things can be self-motivated and like when trying to center myself and like, because it's a constant, like, I think it's a constant thing that you have to like continually recheck your motivations and, and address things that bubble up inside you or, or, you know, maybe you do have some level of secondary trauma that's needing to address all these things. Like, but I think ultimately when you have this faith that like it in this uh, greater purpose and this greater hope, it calls you outside of yourself. You definitely don't need and to monitor your oil pressure things. and your
0: and your dipstick as you do this kind yeah. of work. You've got to take care of yourself. And I think what you're saying there, Ruth, is making sure your, your faith is solid, it's healthy, you're maintaining those parameters. And that'll drive you when you can't necessarily see this. When you're out of the shallows, you're into the deep here, it's your faith that kind of keeps you fixed on where you got to go.
2: And that's not to say, I mean, I've spoken to people who work for non-Christian organizations as well, who, you know, have incredible strength and, you know, and everyone has, has something that is able to kind of like pull them back and and ground them. Um, But, you know, in the, in the Christian workers I've talked to, like, that's definitely a common theme. Let
0: let me, let me dig in for a second here on your stuff here. Uh, When when you look at, when you look at the paths and, and discoveries that you're finding here, uh, the what for you have you found to be the primary form or pass of the trafficking you're seeing in the Thailand area? What what seems to be behind that? What what are the what are the main roots and the sources of how people are being put into that lifestyle? What what are you seeing as the primary routes?
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess this this is not really the focus of my research and it's something that we talked about on previous episodes of the podcast. So don't want to be too repetitive. Right. But I think, um I mean the roots like on a really deep level of where all this comes from, like I think a lot of it stems from poverty and just uh, like and maybe less so in thailand than in other places but i think the history of how those regions were were treated um in terms of like colonial imperial legacies often leaves these kind of like destitute economic situations where and like tourism and and Neocolonialism where people from the West like really over exoticize, for example, Asian women or like see the East like orientalize it as this place of like all this sexual fantasy that they can mm-hmm. go to fulfill. It creates this market that people who are in desperate situations can then take advantage of and kind of create this system that perpetuates itself yeah
0: right i'm trying to think of the. i'm trying, trying to think of the you're word looking for, for. no 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 i think that's really brilliant what you just said actually i'm trying to come up with the psychology sociology word for that it, you call it uh it's it's transference and counter-transference in, in in the psychology world you you have an issue and you need it and then somebody kind of kind of feels that off you and they kind of get back you have these marketers that have created this concept and then the people there that are living there go well this is it, 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 they create a concept throw an agenda out there. another group says well I guess we'll we'll be used this is who we are now so so we'll fall into that and yeah. now you have that codependent formance and it's almost a codependency that forms it's a very unhealthy codependency yeah. and, and there are some versions of codependence that can be positive when people are lifting each other up and it's a good there's a dynamic flow but in this case there's not a dynamic flow there, there, there's just a use of uh, just a use and, and a used up. And it just leads. It just doesn't turn out good at all. Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask yeah. you a little deeper question here. Um, in, in Thailand, you know, as you look at this and you look at your work, uh, you, you see programs doing. Uh, what do you see good happening in Thailand? In, in, in the work in the sex trafficking industry of fighting against that? And what do you see that, and where do you see, vice versa, the major systemic failures, both in Thailand, but also in the work that your church is trying to do with Thailand in this, or churches are doing with organizations? Where do you see the good things and where do you see the systemic gaps that need to be met?
2: Specifically for churches
1: or yeah, well, I mean, I guess the churches and organ the,
0: the organizations the connect, there are you that are talking
1: it, about the relationship between the church. Yeah, and the organizations? yeah
0: why, where where are the churches doing good things and positive things there that are that are coming through those organizations and they're healthy to the development of a better community? And where do you see that being a negative thing? Maybe maybe it's actually not helping. You yeah. Know?
2: Well, I mean, I guess I'll I'll start with the negative things. Um, it's usually a better way to go nice. about yeah, it. Yeah, um, right. And not all of this is exclusive to churches, but I think some of the things I've just heard from talking to different aid workers and people who are involved um, in this in Thailand is that a lot of people come in just with a lack of, they have a desire to help, but they have done no research and no, they they don't have a sense of what kind of help is actually needed. And Mm -hmm. they come in with an agenda. This is exactly how we're gonna do it. So I heard of an example of, of this group that like, Set up this really specific, like six month model. Like we'll take in girls and we do these exact steps. Six months, they're in and out. Mm-hmm. And someone who used to work for them was saying, like, that it's factory line. <laughs> yeah, it's it's obviously trauma works so differently for everyone, and sometimes right. you need. Oh, yeah. So you don't think years. every sex
0: trafficking worker has exact same problems and crisis and can be fixed the exact same way yeah, in the I same mean, amount of time? Yeah, right. Because these are human beings, are individuals, right? It's right. quite right. a concept, but Golly, um, <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> yeah, and wow. I think. The other thing we talked about in some other episodes is um, this is more specific to churches is churches will say like, we need you to do more evangelizing. We need you to require every girl who comes through this program to do a Bible study, to come to your church every Sunday. That's what we want to see. We want to know you're spreading the gospel. And they kind of forget that the purpose of these organizations isn't, Obviously, that you know that's a part of it, but it's not just to make people pray the prayer and become a Christian. It's to help them escape from this life. You're just substituting a new
0: form of product into the exactly rather than liberating people to be able to make a real free will choice of their own. Yeah, exactly. It it becomes it can almost counter exploitive. Would you agree? Yeah,
2: I I would say so. So So
0: so the dangerous thing you see is churches coming in. With I think we talked about this episode as well, with good intentions but not godly intentions. They're not thought out, they're not developed out, and all of a sudden they're substituting basically what they think is the evil they're fighting with maybe even a new evil, which is a new 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 load of luggage. Yeah, there's
2: there's just no they think that they know everything and there's there's no they just wanna hear the sound of their own voice. They just wanna raise money and they're certain we're certain we're right.
0: If you do X, Y, and Z, then you're gonna be happy and, and, and perfect. Yeah, there's no right. understanding
2: of what's going on. No right. effort to like, <laughs> no I mean, dudes, another but, thing is when they don't hire Thai people to- To work with them. Yes. Oh, yeah. so the best yeah. organizations are the one that are started, founded, completely staffed by Thais. Like it, it w- makes a huge difference. That are living difference. there. All,
1: yes. And I
0: totally agree because the what separates, I think the Community Faith Church Thai family, are we have churches over there, from what I call the other churches over there is most of those other churches are, are, are pastored by American, British, Australian pastors that are there as expats and they got a church so the tourists can come to church. And all you can of leave our whenever you, leave whenever, whenever you, you want leave whenever you want, right. when your visa's up, you know, COVID, go home. We'll see you next year. But all of our pastors in Thailand are one hundred percent Thai. Yeah. They're, they're thai indigenous and i did some training on doctrine and theology with them and stuff but i had to learn back from them how to communicate that and how that would look to the thai people right. and i didn't the and first... then
1: eventually you turned it over to them i did but... We, we got them trained it. with
0: the basics of theology because the Bible is the Bible. So they took that, but then how I would communicate that from an American perspective was one way. Mm. And the good thing is I had a couple of very high level English speaking Thai pastors in the early stage and they were able to say, Pastor, that that, 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 doesn't that, that simile here. doesn't work here. Right. Yeah. Here's what would work here. And they were able to modify and fix that. And, and and when we taught the next 26 pastors, they did the teaching. right? And they were able to take yeah. the theology of the gospel that's the same everywhere, and put it in a Thai cultural sense that makes it so much more effective and, and, and ready to embrace and love on the Thai people.
3: And mm-hmm. I think you're touching on something that like it is a broad uh, issue um, amongst like any philanthropic like activity that the church does. And like it's specifically like if we're specifically talking to about the American church um, does through uh, the guise of missions um, that like that unwillingness to learn or this kind of error of knowing thinking that the way that we have done things in our particular culture in our nation is the way to do things has been problematic across the board for a very long time and it's not just in this like particular field but I think again like you said like when you're working with a vulnerable people group you can't afford to like make those kinds of errors and hurt those people even more.
0: Okay. Well, 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 let's go to the other side real quick before we wrap up this cast and then we're going to come back in part three and we're going to dig into. in. All right, we got three bonus questions and over here on my notes, I got one, two, three, four, five, seriously <laughs> deep questions for our big round table around. You're going to love that. But let me ask the question. What, what are some things you're seeing? Good. Let's talk. It's easy to talk about negative. What are some positive aspects you're seeing?
2: Yeah. I think in terms of the relationships between churches and um organizations like i think some of the more valuable things that i've seen churches do that are really important to the people who are working in thailand and running these organizations christian or otherwise is having someone there um long term and so whether that's you know a missionary who's affiliated with your church someone who you know you send someone to work for that organization who's affiliated with your church like that makes a huge difference to have a constant presence there to have constant communication right um And I think any like really long term is, is the key here. You can't go in and out, you know, bring like a totally different group of people, like no consistency once every other year. And, you know, other than that, just send money. Um, I think that can often be more damaging than it is helpful. And Mm -hmm. so when churches take the time to really understand the situation that's going on, act with care, um, you know, really learn what the best ways to support the organization are like, don't put, insane constraints on money, you know, Mm -hmm. like we only want it to be used for this one. That might not be what they need right now. You know, they might need money to fill people's salaries, not specifically to, you know, do this program. Um, yeah those are some
0: of the things. i think that's really good we're, we're, we're going to dig deep much deeper we're going to get into the christian churches and, and involvement in our next episode as we lead off that but but i think there's some really positive things there too i think i think if you're out there and you're thinking our church needs to get involved in this i, I think w- what i hear ruth saying is you we don't need you to run over and just do a quick short-term missionary trip oh you over should there.
2: actively not do that yeah <laughs> yeah and we're not saying don't,
0: don't take a group and do that but do some research, find an organization that you, you you see the light of Christ in there's Tamar Center great organization. You can work through YWAM, different organizations. You, It's okay to take some people and have the experience they need to have it, but make sure you go over and, and go spend some time with the organization and don't go with an agenda. No, go, you can go serve the organization. Go let, serve them. Let
3: the organization establish right. the need, not right. you
1: establish right. the need yes.
0: serve
3: and go their and needs. And fill it.
0: Yes. Go it's find out about their, their culture. Go be. on an exploration trip before Moses... And, and
2: don't them. go unless they want you
0: there. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. You know, Moses and then before they tried to go in the promised land, they sent a recruiting group in. They, they kind of go around and kind of know about the land and learn about the people. Go over and learn about the people. Get to experience them a little bit. See if your heart's really there. Can your heart connect? And then go see what you could do to be useful to them, not useful to you. So go yes. check that out. Go, and if it, it's
3: not going to be useful, you, you shouldn't yeah. be going like, like you said. Just write them
0: a check and send them some you're money. you're
3: going to be burdensome, it's not. Yeah. Right, They're right, already doing right. so much.
0: They need people, they want people to go. It's okay to do an exploratory trip, but make sure you, you pick a good organization. Go find out. Make it let them know that you're wanting there to learn and go learn. Learn. Don't go with agenda. Don't go with the plan. You don't know the project yet. Go study the show that self-approved, a workman unashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go, go study. And then when you get there, uh, you know, as you develop it, maybe you've got people interested in longer-term relationships. That's fine. You know, plug them in. Don't just go try to start a ministry. Thailand is a difficult place to get into. It's difficult to get long-term visas right now. It's difficult to, learn to speak the language. If you don't know the language, if you don't know <laughs> the language, you're not going to be able to stay there long-term. You're going to have to. You, you if you're going to go do something in Thailand long-term, you need to start taking classes classes right now someplace, and it's going to take you a while to learn that, to be effective. So what you can do better is find the right organizations that are doing that. Maybe pair people up in your church that could go for a longer period of time to, to help teach English, but at the same time, they can learn. They could go over and teach a subject. If it's Tamar Center, they could go and help. Maybe a beautician could go over and spend a year uh, teaching that the girls how to do hair at the same time, learning the culture. There's a lot of ways you can help. So don't you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. You can find good organizations doing it. Figure out how you can walk alongside them and add benefits to their work in good practical ways in good practical ways not grandma ruth gave you a thousand dollars and she wants you to go to those foreign people and build them a little house over there because they need a house those people don't have a house you don't need any agendas just go find out what you can do experiencing god said go to where god is go to where you're going and sit down and find out what god wants you to experience there go get good organizations and just be open to the holy spirit i think the holy spirit will show you if you don't go in with your own agenda the holy spirit will open a, a whole world of opportunity to you Mm -hmm. And I think it'll begin to prick your heart, and then that'll lead to the longer-term relationships and get to know people first.
3: Yeah, that communication aspect is, is, I think,
1: key.
0: It's open
3: communication, because I think oftentimes NGOs feel like they maybe can't have these honest and necessary conversations to groups who are funding them. Where, like, oh, this is exceedingly burdensome to us. but people don't ask the right questions or try to spend time in the right. communication aspect and that relationship building and NGOs
0: that are important. strapped NGOs over there that are strapped for money and some group comes in they want to pour a bunch of money and nobody wants to say no to the money they need it they're desperate well, and so Daniel's they, they,
2: done a good job of this seven years ago he said he came in and he stopped all short-term yes, yes he did yes he did long-term yeah
0: yeah 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 and and, and, and even though they're deep term and why wham he really redefined what the expectations were for that you're for coming sure. in to serve and you're going to do these projects I
1: can just wear them out they 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 end up spending so I much saw time that. and energy hosting groups that not coming coming working I, on I saw anywhere. an exhausting yell right.
0: of them just to fulfill every. It was like they were coming to Tamar Center to have Fantasy Island. You know, their own experience. And they've really changed it. Tamar Center is a good place. If you want to talk to them, they will vet you very well. And they will, if you'll listen, they'll tell you ways in which you can help and get involved. There's a lot of good organizations out there, and uh, you can check that out. We're going to be back in the in episode three. It's going to be a roundtable discussion. It's going to be an absolute bond burner. We're going to get into our U.S. churches, what we can do. You're hearing a little bit about that, being authentic and doing the right thing. So come back for that if you would. Uh, I, you've got Ruth here, and Ruth's email address is on the screen there. You can check that out. If you've got anything you want to... Maybe contribute to her studies. You've, you've got you know about ministries, or organizations, churches doing unique things. Feel free to send that to her. Um, you know she, she's not interested in knowing that you sing a soprano or bass, <laughs> but she would love to hear about your work uh, in, in in anti uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, especially if you got a church or something doing u- unique work. Please let her know that because she's developing a great paper, and, and we're excited about what you're doing, Ruth. Thank you so much, uh, yeah, Haley. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank b- you for b- th- Thank me. you, guys. It's been very deep stuff. Uh, we'll be back in podcast number three of this series uh the u.s church anti-human trafficking series our roundtable table signature signature round table discussion we always do that on the dock as we get ready to get away from it we want to throw the kitchen sink at you ruth we're going to do that so come back maybe and,
1: she's got a few kitchen sink questions herself um, I,
0: well no she can't she, she has to have me on her show <laughs> <laughs> everybody thanks for joining us you can find out more about on the dock at on the dock.org. you can email us for info if you want ruth that email address email us at info at on the dock dot org we'll send you the the information directly you can find us on our podcast partners youtube spotify to google Podcasts, facebook grow rumble and Sermonet. and we'd love to hear your contact on social media uh, facebook instagram twitter telegram give us a shout out i think they have said some really good things if you're a church and you're really interested in doing more here uh, and you just want to massage that a little bit. Don't just run and do it. Uh, reach out, reach out to us and we'll get you in contact with somebody can help you kind of work through those ideas and do the right thing uh, on that. And, and to help you develop those long-term relationships, go once you find our social media platforms and our platforms, uh, make sure you hit subscribe, like notify and share this podcast with other people so they can learn too. We want to all grow it together and get off the uh, dock and get out in the deep. We're going to do that together. And we always want you to be our Patreon partner or sponsor. We'd love to have you. Hey, uh, Cape Air, come on. We'd love to have you as our sponsor. We, we're not going to talk about you in the next episode until you actually get on Patreon and become a sponsor or a partner. We'd, we'd love to have you. And finally, if you're in the Marion, Southern Illinois area, we'd love to have you. If you don't have a church home already, we'd love to have you at Community Faith Church at 10 o'clock on Sundays, Wednesday at 6.30. We're the host church here for the On the Dock uh, studio. And we'd love to see you. If you can't get here, we've got an incredible virtual campus at coftv.com. You can watch us on Facebook and, and through YouTube through the Community Faith Church channel. We'd love to have you here. If you don't have that place already, we'd love to connect with you as well. And so, again, ladies, thank you so much. Ruth, Haley, Mother Beth, great job. We'll see you back real soon. And episode number three will be the roundtable discussion. Don't miss it. Get some coffee ready, and we'll see you at the next episode. Of the